Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 61. That's right, 61 of A Play on Nerds. We're so excited you're joining us. As always, I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman. And we're here to entertain you, or at least make you shrug. <laughs> at least make you go, meh. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> we're so confident in each other. We are. And we're about to share that confidence with you. Indeed. So welcome back, or welcome to the show for the first time, whatever you're doing. We're excited to have you with us. And what are we going to do for our feature later in the show, Steve? Uh, so we're going to be doing a new feature, something Woo. that Jar- Jarman dreamed up like a day ago, <laughs> and we're calling it Retro Retrospective. Jarman, why don't you go ahead and explain it since it's your baby? So I'll try to explain this uh, in a simple fashion. Uh, basically, I thought of the idea of Steve and I both have movies that we really enjoy, and some of those movies we have not seen. Um, some of my favorites Steve hasn't seen and vice versa. So whenever we have this segment, Retro Retros- Retrospective, we're going to pick an older movie that we both love and make each other watch it and then come and review those two movies and see what we th- think of them. Yeah, and I think we have some very interesting ones for this this inaugural flight of this bit. Yes, two very different movies, but somewhat both fantastical, though. That's right. I'll be reviewing one the German proposed to me uh, called Zero Charisma. And I'll be doing The Dark Crystal, which I surprisingly had not seen yet. Yeah, and it makes me ashamed. But now I you have. Them. That's a, yeah, that's good. I Steps can be a, in the right a better friend of yours now that I've seen it. <laughs> that's right. That's accurate. But before we get to that and to all that shenanigans, uh, what, what, you, what have you been up to? Well, I actually finally had a good nerd day. For once, Ooh. after a long time, uh, the girlfriend told me, which is very true, I don't take enough time for myself to actually just unwind. I just work all the time and or just sit at my desk and don't work and procrastinate. And then I don't actually do anything fun. So I worked hard at the beginning of the week and then took a whole day off with her to play video games because she's really into video games. And I haven't played much myself in a long time besides producing our Twitch channel. I don't actually play myself. So I played the new Doom game for a little while. Which Ooh, was how was that? Very pretty game. It's got really cool, like heavy metal music while you're playing as well, while killing demons and such. Um, but I played the multiplayer and just died a whole bunch, so that was okay. <laughs> but then the main thing did, I played. Did you have a 12 year old threaten to rape you and your entire family? <laughs> Luckily, not. Surprisingly, that's only, been my experience. <laughs> there's only one guy that was on a headset for one second, and he didn't say much. Um, but then I played the Telltale Games, The Walking Dead, season one which uh, you might have heard of. Have you played, heard of that? No, it's like a it's a, a an RPG, right? You yeah, make kind of like decisions a, and they affect the outcome and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's like a choose your own adventure video game. So okay. l- luckily there's not much skill required. You basically just kind of choose what decisions you'll make on each step and how you talk to each character kind of affects the outcome of the game. And uh, it was a lot of fun just playing season one and they're all different characters, but you run into some of the characters that are actually in the Walking Dead TV show. And they're a little bit more based off the comic book versions of them than the actual TV show versions. 
So it was really cool and pretty scary at times and very interesting, emotional, dramatic elements and great voice acting. So I recommend well, it. It was fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. Absolutely. Glad you took that, took that time for yourself. And I hear for your update that you're, you're drugged at the moment. Yeah, I'm a little bit drugged up. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, so as some of our uh, listeners remember from the last episode, I was sick. Mm. And listening to our episode, you could really hear it in my voice, especially towards the end. Yeah, a little I was bit. Getting, <laughs> like just had nothing left to give. Um, so the, the sort of cold portion of the sickness came and went about the way it would. But the cough just lingered and mm. lingered and lingered and lingered. Uh, so finally, two days ago, uh, I went to the doctor. And they took a chest X-ray, and I have just just a touch of pneumonia. You always just, get uh, respiratory uh, issues. This is, this is the second time, the second only the second time I've ever had pneumonia. Okay. Um. So they put me on antibiotics, which are actually really helping, as opposed to last time, where the doctor was like, "Okay, so it's either bacterial or viral. If it's bacterial, you're going to take these pills, you're going to feel better in like two days. If it's viral, you're going to have a shitty life for like five weeks." Oh God. <laughs> And it was viral, so I had a shitty life for like five weeks. Oh, uh, but this time, it, it appears to be back to I'm feeling much better. Um, still a little ways to go. But part of that was them giving me uh, cough syrup with codeine in it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and man, is it making me loopy. Holy Toledo. How do you get pneumonia twice? Um, I mean, it's a condition that typically accompanies other respiratory problems. Right. So you have bronchitis and it devolves into pneumonia or you have a really bad cold and it settles in your chest and it devolves into pneumonia. And you get bronchitis a lot, don't you? As a kid, I got it all the stinking time. That's what I remember. <laughs> I think there was one fall in Florida where I got it four times. Just ridiculous. It was it was so dumb. Um, so they gave me an inhaler. They gave me some cough suppressant stuff. They gave me antibiotics. Um, so I'm just riding this thing out and hope trying to get better before the second part of my news. Uh, Anna and I are heading up to Seattle tomorrow morning. We're driving up woohoo, uh, to go to a friend's wedding. And uh, today, which is uh, June 4th, the day we're recording, this is actually our five year anniversary. It is indeed. So we're taking a trip up for our anniversary partially and to see friends partially. And for 11 days, right? Yeah, I'm gone forever. <laughs> we might have to record an episode without you. We leave tomorrow and we don't come back until the the following Monday. Jeez. That should be fun. Yeah. yeah it's going to be a good time. Uh, we get to revisit the city that we, I'll be corny here for a second, that we fell in love in. Oh. But really, I'm mostly looking good to the, forward to the really good Thai food. Oh, I, did, I wouldn't connect that with Seattle. I didn't know that I have no thing. idea why, but the, we, we really got spoiled in Seattle with Thai food because everywhere else we've had it, including we had it at like the highest rated place in Brooklyn. And it was shit compared to the stuff we got in Seattle. That's weird. So I'm very excited. And also coffee, teriyaki places. Holy Toledo. We're already planning on visiting our, our favorite uh, coffee place, El Diablos. Nice. <laughs> they make a Cafe Cubano, which is a, uh, a shot of espresso over like three teaspoons of brown sugar. Ooh. And it just turns into this sort of brown molasses coffee. That's so good. That so sounds good. wonderful. It's a great pick me up. Certainly. And then the only other thing, I feel like I've got a lot this week. Yeah. Normally, I feel it's either feast or famine with me. It's like, <laughs> no, nothing's going on. Or I've got I've got things. Uh, speaking of video games, uh, I downloaded uh, Overwatch. Yes. For the PS4 and have been playing it for the last, since last night. Played a, a good amount last night, a little bit earlier today. And I got to say, it's a lot of fun. 
Now, is that a game you can cross-platform play? Like, if I got on the PC, can I play with you on PS4? I believe so, and the only reason I think so is because um, anytime a, a match ends, people can type in, can put in messages, and everyone types in GG, which is A, a very PC thing, mm-hmm. and B, it means they're typing. Right. So, I think you can play cross-platform. Because you can't have a keyboard for PS4, so I don't know if they might be using that or... Yeah, but that... God, it's so stupid. If you're going to play console, play a console. <laughs> right. Don't play a console, then hook up a, a friggin' mouse and keyboard. Be a man. I'll look that up then, because maybe I'll try to get it or something. I can play with you. Yeah, look it up and see if it's cross platform. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it very much harkens back to Team Fortress Classic and TF2 uh, in that there are different sort of... M- types there's uh support which is healers uh there's builders who build support turrets and that sort of thing uh there's offense and then there's tanks um and they really do a good job of pointing out when you're selecting your team which i think is six people uh like what you're missing this little reminder comes up right it's like hey you have no tanks someone needs to take care of this yeah amy actually just got the game too the girlfriend and she didn't want to play for a long time because she was scared she would jump in and everyone would already be awesome at it because they've already had like the beta and she would just be get destroyed every single time did that happen to you no but that being said not say i've got an extensive history with first person shooters but i'm certainly not not a novice at them right and the way that my gamer friends were describing is kind of like if you i don't know if you've not played any league of legends but it's kind of like that tower defense game but um, the roles the characters play and the powers they have, like on having an ultimate, having lower powers. Uh, it's very much like that, but with a first person shooter. So. Yeah. In that, you know, you've got basically two to two to three abilities, depending on the character you play that are on a anywhere between five and like 15 second cooldown. Right. You have a primary power that has to charge up over time. And then you just have your regular gun shooting ability. And it makes it very interesting and what I really appreciate about it is that it can really turn the tide very quickly. If you use it right. Yeah. So, you know, it'll be like a three on one scenario. You think you have that asshole cornered and then they'll use their ultimate and wipe all three of you out. Yeah. But buddy Cole was talking about, he was playing the healer and there's one of the abilities that that healer has is to uh, res people, resurrect them. And so they had just killed his whole team, but he, so he ran over there quickly and they're all around the same area. So he did his ultimate to resurrect people and he resurrected the whole team and they all went and won the match. <laughs> yeah. So it's I mean, cool. uh, if your girlfriend's going to get into it, what I would recommend is to start with a support class primarily because nobody ever wants to play support. Right. And I always love playing support. <laughs> it's a good way to learn the maps and to watch other characters without having to really be heavy combat at first. And people won't yell at you for not getting kills because you're just supporting. Oh, but some of the healers have some really cool abilities, though. Um, the one I've been playing is a guy called Zenyatta. He's a robot, like, yoga guru. It doesn't have to make sense. It's a video game. <laughs> of course. Um, but his ability is he basically, he can throw these two balls. One of them uh, heals an individual target. And the other one marks them, and that target takes extra damage. Oh, nice. So if you can mark a target and then successfully shoot at them, you can really drop someone very very quickly it's like buffs and debuffs in warcraft exactly um so it's a lot of fun i would highly recommend it to any of our listeners who have been on the fence i have to I'm say enjoying that it so far outside of our video game episode of of the podcast this is probably the longest we've ever talked about video games in the show <laughs> that's true that's very true which is a good thing nothing wrong with that we need to diversify yeah. a bit <laughs> o- overwatch check it out folks absolutely oh and here's something else that just happened while i was gone we went to a baby shower in pittsburgh i forgot about that Oh, very cool. 
Got to see the whole family. Got a lot of crazy baby stuff. Forgot my mom that. did the entire party in Muppet theme. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Including the cake, which is um, a bunch of cross sections of uh, Muppet characters' faces all side by side. It was really cool. It's hard to explain, but I'll send you a picture. I'm just picturing that now because, like, my, you know, my new nephew is being bombarded by Star Wars stuff because Peter likes Star Wars. So my stepbrother. So he's making this kid grow up with Star Wars. I'm realizing that your kid's going to grow up with everything Muppets. <laughs> That's absolutely true. That's yeah. absolutely true. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I'm not I'm not even going to hide it. That's absolutely true. That's pretty cool. I mean, when she's a little bit older, you'll have uh, gremlin stuff everywhere. So you don't terrify that, her when she's young. That's accurate. <laughs> that being said, we do have to buy a display case for all my toys so the kid doesn't play with them. But I <laughs> keep them, the toys away from the child. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Muppets, uh, how are you Ooh. feeling about the, the cancellation there? It, it, anytime you hear for any show. That they're going that they've decided to do a major rework of the show halfway through the season. It's not a good sign. Right. (laughs) It's just not. It took them too long to find what they were. And even at the end, they couldn't quite figure it out. And it wasn't a bad show, right? At first, they were too much 30 rock. And then they kind of went away from it because they knew they were doing it. But then they lost. They didn't know what they were anymore. They never found the voice of the show. and, And that's why it got canceled. They should have done that beforehand. That being said, uh, I just put a post up on the show that Julie Andrews is going to be doing a show with the Jim Henson Company for Netflix called Julie's Green Room, and it's going to be educating kids about how to get into the performing arts. That's into the Muppets, the, the arts. Yeah, not Muppets. They're they're characters from the Jim Henson Company, but they're not characters I've seen before. Oh, okay, so that's cool. So be. So, you know, on those, instead of having a cast of children, they've got a cast of children puppets. So they don't actually have to cast kids because kids are terrible. Yep. And yep. pain in the butt to have on set. That is accurate. Well, very cool. We're having a very yeah. Jim Henson themed episode, too, because we'll have that dark crystal conversation later on. That's right. We're really we're really laying it on thick. That's the important part. It's time for Nerdy News. So now I have some nerdy news here. Uh, nerdy news. I'll go ahead and throw in, first of all, uh, Brie Larson, who I just saw in the movie The Room, which was, um, or just Room, I guess, uh, which was Oscar nominated, which was a really good movie. Very depressing, but also very, you know, kind of inspiring, I guess. It was, mm-hmm. but she was great in it. And I hadn't seen her much in anything else, but I forgot that she was in Scott Pilgrim. She played one of the, the I guess, girls in that movie, not the main person. Um She's also in 21 Jump Street, apparently, but she's going to be she's in talks, not confirmed yet to play Captain Marvel in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which will be the first Marvel movie with the female lead, uh, which is exciting. And that's cool. Captain Marvel. I don't know too much about because I'm not a comic book guy, but uh, is a very powerful character, very in the cosmic thing. She hangs out with um, the Guardians of the Galaxy and that kind of stuff. So that should be interesting to be like. And uh, also Elon Musk uh, thinks that we're living in a simulation. Yeah, I think he said that there's like only a one in hundred million chance that we're not or something, something insane like that. Yeah. And it's kind of scary because this guy, I think, maybe is getting more and more neurotic, the more money and power he has. And so he's like, first, he said something about being terrified of AI and trying to scare people with that. Now he's telling people that we're definitely living in a simulation. Uh, He does a lot of great things, though. SpaceX and Tesla Motors and all that stuff. So, I mean, more power to him. But he... People will try to equate him to Tony Stark, but he's more like the Tony Stark's crazy uncle who's just kind of losing it. Well, I mean, here, here's the thing. Even if we are 
in a simulation, that means that we exist. Mm-hmm. I think, therefore, I am. Even if this is a giant elaborate simulation, that means that that we're in some sort of giant, crazy, insane quantum computer. But that means that there's a reality outside of that. So, therefore, we exist. Right. No matter and, how you cut it. And also, if we're AI that has seems to have our own ability to reason and think, uh, that's basically what we would say about data in Star Trek as being a, a living being. So... Even if we are a simulation, we are now AI living beings that are living inside the simulation. So we have our own thoughts and mind in a sense. So, yeah. So even if we're a simulation, get over it. That's fine. (laughs) Absolutely. That means that you're not actually listening to this awful podcast. That's the important part. (laughs) This is all just a simulation. Thank God. (laughs) Unplug me from the matrix now. That's right. Take that pill. So what is your nerdy news there, sir? So I've got two stories this week, and as always, I name them something amusing. And this week it is, way to use your noggin. Uh, the first is they have found in amber um, a 99 million year old ant species that hasn't been seen before. 99 so before I get million? This story, let's just sit and comprehend what? that number. 99 million years old. So before the dinosaurs. Yeah. Wow. Like, we like to think we've been around for a long time, but ants have been around so much longer it's insane i mean you mean six thousand years ago right yes i mean <laughs> yes for the alternative crowd that doesn't listen to the show six thousand years ago go or 99 million whichever <laughs> sounds better to your god i guess um and they're being referred to as the unicorn ant ant because they have a a kind of horny protrusion sticking up out of their head and then they have these two lower mandibles that have these giant hooks on them so the idea is they would catch prey between this horn and these hooks and then carry it back. Wow. Um, and they're crazy to look at. Check it out. Unicorn ant. But they believe that this was evolved because whatever prey was available to them was big. Because when you look at this, any small prey would have slipped right through this sort of contraption on their head. So whatever th- these, this species of ants was hunting 99 million years ago was large. It'd be like bigger beetles or something. Bigger beetles, dragonflies, all sorts of stuff. That's awesome. And how big were they? Like regular ant size? Um, I think it's up to an inch or so. Yeah, like normal antish size. Okay. Not giant, giant. That's pretty damn cool. And so then the other part, the other story I've got for use your noggin uh, is they believe, so scientists are, are starting to hypothesize that human intelligence was developed because people had to be smarter to take care of increasingly premature infants. Hmm. So in today's world, infants with large heads typically come out premature because the body knows it can't pass that giant skull. So they come out premature before it's fully grown. Gotcha. So they're hypothesizing that back in early man days, you know, there was a kid that came out really smart with a giant skull and came out premature. So because of that, the parents had to be smart enough to keep this premature baby alive. So either the kid survived and made it and bred another giant skulled smart person, or they died in that that DNA strand died out with them. Right. So in the in the animal world, most other animals, when they have their young, they like with giraffes, giraffes can be up running and running from predators like four hours after they're born. Same with horses. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of animals. Um, we are incredibly underdeveloped when we come out. And they believe that, that is because 
Um, the amount of time spent in the womb kept shortening and shortening because the head kept getting bigger because we were getting more intelligent. Very cool. Yeah. And so I thought that was neat. Um, but yeah, they call it an evolutionary feedback loop. Yeah, that's so weird, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So our intelligence is what makes us have useless little shitting eating meat sacks. <laughs> yep. They're completely useless in the wild. They can't do anything for themselves. For like two years, too. <laughs> right? More like 18, but yeah, you well, got yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. At least by like four or five, they can finally like maybe run away from things. But That's true. It takes them like or scream to breathe. I guess yeah. they can scream as a baby too, so that doesn't make sense. But but know what to scream or or communicate. Yeah, it's true. Have judgment about what to scream about. Yeah, <laughs> we're useless. Yeah, we are. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a way to use your noggin. Very cool. So we're doing our first instance of retro retrospective where we're going to go back into the vault of our favorite movies of all time. And you guys can comment or email us about if you think these movies are good or bad, but they're some of our favorite movies. How about we start by giving a synopsis of each other's films? Sure. All right. So Jarman shows a movie called Zero Charisma came out in 2013, did really well at a lot of the film festivals. Um, and it is about a guy named Scott who... Um, Lives with his grandma and is a very dedicated dungeon master for Dungeons and Dragons for Dungeons and Dragons. And he obviously envelops himself in this world because he can't stand the way his life is. And so one of his players has to drop out. He finds a new guy and this new guy kind of sparks some changes that slowly kind of break down this reality that Scott has built up for himself and really kind of makes him realize how tragic his life really is. His grandma has a stroke. His mom comes back. He obviously can't stand his mother. Um, he's got a shit job. He doesn't know how to behave around girls. This new cool guy comes in and kind of takes over his group. And he feels displaced from the only place he felt like was a home. And you get to really see this guy come to grips with that and come to grips with himself and 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 find his way. And despite all that, it is actually a very funny movie, too. They're not all just. Yes, there are some very funny, <laughs> funny moments. But the last third is pretty much just sadness. It's breakdown time, basically. <laughs> it is. It is. At one point, he is crying on a toilet. It was really that's really emotional like that. And I think that. Yeah. I mean, we'll go to more discussion of it. But yeah, it's a, that's basically the breakdown. Yep. All right. So t tell us about Dark Crystal. So the Dark Crystal, man, this was a beautiful movie to watch. Um, this is a, obviously a Henson production. It's uh, uh, 1982 is when uh, Dark Crystal came out. And. It uh, is all puppets. It's one of the first movies, one of the only movies that has no humans in it whatsoever. That is a live action film. Um, there are humans in like costumes and stuff that are with puppetry involved with their faces and such. But it was a milestone of a show or movie because of, of that fact. Um, it's basically this fantastical other planet, um, which I did not remember the name of if they even mention it, uh, where there was a great schism thousands of years ago where this crystal broke into a shard broke off of the, this giant crystal and created, um, you know, these two separate mystical 
uh, forces, one called the Skeksis, which are the bad ones. They're these bad-looking vulture-like creatures. And the other one um, is basically the Mystics, and they become these – they look like – I don't know. <laughs> completely unique. They look like any kind of creature you've seen in the real world. Kind of like a mix between a sloth and a horse. Yeah, almost, like a turtle maybe. and like everything mixed together. Um, and then there's also this uh, race of people called the Gelflings, which are kind of like – Mixed between like elf and halflings. So kind of like they're uh, halflings. Yeah. yeah hobbits yeah. and elves mixed together kind of thing. Um, and most they're kind of uh, what do you call it? Most marionette type of puppets. And uh, they're the Gelflings are part of prophecy that one Gelfling will bring the crystal back together and bring balance back to the the world and make everything happy again. Because these Skeksis, if they don't get the crystal back together, when the three suns align, then they'll be forever in power and just, you know, be tyrannical over the world forever. And darkness will rule the world for at least another thousand years. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, uh, it was when I first started watching, obviously the, they kind of explain all that very quickly in the beginning. I'm like, Oh crap, I don't understand anything that guy just said, but luckily as you watch the movie, it kind of unfolds and you understand what's happening and they explain it to you a little more in depth and it builds this whole universe. And it's, um, it's just a very beautiful movie and very cute, yeah. but also very disturbing at parts. That's why um, what we'll get into because it's, uh, I mean, you want to jump in Dark Crystal? Yeah. Uh, so real quick, before we jump in, sure. I want to throw out uh, something I haven't done in a while. The Star Trek connection. Ah, very nice. For Dark Crystal. And um, that is uh, Gates, Mc- Gates McFadden, who played Dr. Beverly Crusher. That's right. Next Generation. All right, got it. Back when she was something else McFadden, when she was using her real first name, uh, she was a choreographer for the Muppets, for a couple of the movies and for Labyrinth. She was the primary choreographer. Um, But for Dark Crystal, she came in as the assistant and it was really them training her to do bigger productions. Right. And just on the IMDb page, she's actually on it, but it says uncredited. So she was not in the actual credits, but she was involved in the film, obviously. Yeah. And then when I went to New York Comic Con, I got her to sign my Dark Crystal poster and she was a little bit blown away that I knew that that was her first thing she did with the Henson Company. Yeah, it's not very well known. <laughs> no, she she was kind of like, oh, I'm not signing Star Trek shit. All right. <laughs> For once. <laughs> OK, so yeah, let's, start, let's jump into Dark Crystal. Well, directed by Jim Henson and Frank Oz. Um, who, mm-hmm, they co-directed. Those of you out there who are not Muppet heads, you'll know him as also the voice of um, Yoda. And the puppet yep. puppeteer for Yoda. Um, he's also directed a lot of great films since then, like live action films. Um, and also beautiful score, which. Uh, oh, yeah. I was like, I have to find out who this person is. And it's actually Trevor Jones, who's done a lot of good movies, but he did Dark City from Hell. He also did Labyrinth, the score for Labyrinth, not like mm-hmm. the tracks. That was David Bowie, uh, Cliffhanger and Last of the Mohicans. That's a very memorable soundtrack, too. And we, we actually just talked. I think I made a reference in that last episode. Yeah, you did. About how movies don't have good soundtracks. And I said, last in the weekends. Exactly. And he's the same one to Dark Crystal. But yeah, I mean, I it was a bit hard getting used to the fact that I think the worst puppets were the Gelflings. They were tough. And even in uh, Frank and Jim say that they were the hardest ones to get right. Right. Because they just it, it was in that uncanny valley of like their face looks kind of wrong for some reason and wasn't moving. Yeah. Enough. And, and initially they were um, very much more mouse looking almost. And then that got kind of nixed. Ah, gotcha. Um, in the early drafts and the early versions. Because like the mystics, there's these very intricate puppets. You can see like a little. That's why I noticed is that 
when they and they're also on the the Skeksis when they go in on them on the camera, like I thought they'd just be sitting there lifelessly, but you can see little bits moving in their neck and like as if they're breathing or their their hearts beating. You know, it's like that is so cool. Mm-hmm. And then you get to these Gelflings and like lifeless looking soulless creatures. I'm like that's terrifying. <laughs> so it took a while for me to get used to the Gelflings, but after a while, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm into it now. I'm looking past that. But it's just beautiful. Every bit of the design makes you miss movies like this where. They actually have to take the time to make these sets and these these uh yeah and all these little cre- creatures and bugs yeah that, that that make you feel like it's a lived in environment it's a real place and it actually is real they had to actually build that stuff and I was even thinking that as like um, Jen the the lead character Gelfling guy is going across part of this landscape and every plant looks it's it's was obviously made they're not real plants like. And then it's just for that one scene and it's gone. I'm like, that was taken so long for them to build that one little bit of, of stretch. That's right. So it's incredible. And like you think about that now and everything would just be CGI, you know, bullshit, basically. Oh, and for a long time, they were threatening to do a full CGI uh, sequel. Oh, no. To the Dark Crystal that I was very much not pleased about. Well, apparently there is some mention of something coming out soon. Hmm. Have you seen this? Oh, Lord. Let me see. Okay, it's called The Power of the Dark Crystal. And there's no date for it. It's a status unknown, but it says a girl made of fire steals a shard of a legendary crystal in hopes of reigniting. Oh, that's been around forever. Yeah. So it's like still sitting. That rumor has been around for like 10 years. Huh. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know. That that might still happen at some point. But It could. I would be very doubtful. Very, very doubtful that that will ever actually happen. Not enough interest in it, probably, to make that happen. That's absolutely right. <laughs> but something I read, which I found fascinating, um, was the story of how this came to be. This uh, you probably already know this because you're a Henson head. But um, mm. in this is on the trivia page for IMDb, this is the story. It says in February 1978, Jim Henson and his daughter Cheryl Henson found themselves stuck in an airport hotel when Kennedy Airport was struck by a New York snowstorm. They spent the time working out the details of the world of the world of the dark crystal on numerous sheets of hotel note paper. Those notes became the inspiration for the dark crystal screenplay work in the film. didn't begin in earnest until 1979 after the completion of the Muppet movie, which was shot in Los Angeles. The dark crystal, however, was shot back to back with the great Muppet caper in England. So oh, that was really cool. Like him, his daughter were just yep. hanging out in the airport and like, let's create a whole world. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, produced by Lord grade, who was the guy who was behind the Muppet show and finally gave Jim Henson, the money he needed to put on the show. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So when does this fall in the timeline of, of Muppet stuff then? I guess like there was already a Muppet TV show or there wasn't. Um, yeah, there was already. That was 1976 uh, to 79, I believe. Was okay. the Muppet show. Um, so yeah, Muppets already happened. The original Muppet movie had come out. was a big success. This is pre-Labyrinth, I think two years before Labyrinth. Right. Um. And it was, uh, unfortunately, Dark Crystal was sort of a, not say a flop. It just didn't do as well as it, it could have, uh, but has since obviously gained this giant cult following because of just what, what a gorgeous movie it is. It just, cause it couldn't find an audience really. Cause it's like, it's told and the dialogue and everything is like a children's friendly movie. But then you had these really scary scenes and then death and, you know, people like. Oh, yeah. The Skeksis, the um, the Gartham, the giant beetle things scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Yeah. And like the the, the 
clockwork orange machine that the the souls get sucked out of these people oh yeah <laughs> drain your vital essence yes <laughs> that's terrifying it is it's absolutely terrifying i think that played a hand in why it didn't do as well in theaters as it could have because they didn't know who they're marketing for really yeah i mean yeah you're right it probably did not find an audience because it wasn't nearly as childish as uh, labyrinth but i found a weird coincidence with this that um I just heard on a podcast a quote from Andy Serkis, who's still going forward with his Jungle Book movie. Uh, oh, my God. What I mean, a bad choice. I wish there was only his because I'm sure it'll be great because it's Andy Serkis, but they just had one already. So but he's saying it's going to be much darker and a little scarier than, um, you know, your typical kids movie. And he said it's because kids should be scared and they should have they should be able to deal with frightening things. And they, kids like frightening things. Um and so I saw on the IMDb trivia, this quote from Jim Henson says, uh, Jim Henson's plan with the film was to get back to the darkness of the original Brothers Grimm fairy tales. He felt that children like the idea of being scared and that this was a healthy emotion for them to deal with. And I was like, that is so weird. I just heard Andy Serkis say the same thing. And Andy yeah. Serkis, in a way, is kind of like a modern day Jim Henson is like in his, you know, progression of the motion capture industry and making that kind of like you're a human puppet, basically. That's true. So he, I you have to you have to be the character. Yeah. So they're kind of like mirroring each other's careers in some ways. But uh, they funny that they have the same kind of quote too. that children should be scared sometimes. You know, were you scared by this movie when you were a kid? Uh, once again, certain aspects. The Skeksis were always scary. Um, the 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 Gotham Gotham were always scary. The Beetle things. I was also freaked out by the Land Striders. The the rabbit giraffe things. Those were the creepiest thing in the whole movie. They were pretty. They were pretty damn creepy. They're supposed to be friendly. <laughs> they are. They were. They're terrifying. But yeah, a bunch of guys in stilt suits. Yep, scary as hell. <laughs> scary as hell. I think I got to Dark Crystal when I was a little bit older. I remember seeing Labyrinth when I was really young, though. Right, me too. And that was and that just being scary. a little sillier and not quite as serious or dark. Uh, but the Dark Crystal is dark. Hell, someone someone gets knifed in the back at one point. I know. It's terrifying. It's awesome. Uh, so if you're going to tell somebody new that you are just meeting perhaps at a party or something and your dark crystal comes up and they say, oh, I haven't seen that. I never really had any interest. And what would you say to be like why they should watch it? What's your big draw to this movie and why you like it so much? If you haven't seen Dark Crystal, just go die. <laughs> That's uh, no, it's a fantastical world. It's an enveloping world. It's a classic tale of good versus evil and, and everyone caught in the middle. I could see that ancient races fights the the foretelling of a of a prophecy that must be fulfilled. It's got everything you're looking for. The reluctant hero. Yeah, the reluctant hero. Uh, it's very Lord of the Ringsy and in that sort of vein as far as the story it tells. And it was the first people to use those sweeping dolly shots of people walking across mountains slowly. That Lord of the Rings later on used <laughs> all, true. all the mystics That's very slowly true. crawling across the mountains. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it just it made me happy. Like it was just a pleasant, happy thing. And I loved the, he was so adorable. The Gen guy. It's just he was so very sweet and, and good, a good person. Like we don't have much of that these days. So that's nice. So I just want to recap my favorite moment of the entire film that makes me laugh. Every time. I wonder if it's the same one I have. We'll see. So at one point. um, you know, the, the mad scientist Skeksy is draining the, the female Gelfling's essence. And she starts calling the animals to defend her. And they all bite him and, and he gets overwhelmed and he falls down into this pit. And then you see him, you know, basically die. 
And then they cut to the mystics who have been trekking across the land to get to this castle. And one of them just disappears. And they all turn and look. And they all just keep going. <laughs> it's my favorite I part. about that. I laugh every single time I see that part of the movie. Oh, that's too funny. What was yours? Oh, for some reason, I just really like left at this line. I really enjoyed it was. Um, uh, I think they both fall down a ledge or she says jump and she has her wings come out and she carries them down. And he's like, you have wings. I, I don't have wings. And she goes, of course not. You're a boy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why this is so cute. And she's like, you should know that. Of course not. You're a boy. You don't of have course wings. not. You're a boy. <laughs> I just really like that line. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah. So Dark Crystal, I, I say check it out. It's such a good movie. Yeah. And I, I think it's I, Guillermo del Toro probably took some inf- influence from this movie. Like if you saw Pan's Labyrinth, like. It is very Pan's Labyrinthy. That's absolutely. very true. Especially the more creepy parts. And I love the long scene of the, um, the Skeksis. Uh, eating food so disgustingly and they're so gross looking and it's like it, it makes you want to like blah you know like but it's supposed to do that you know yeah um they the skexies were based off of the seven deadly sins but oh. there were like 11 of them so they had to double up a couple that's right i remember reading that somewhere but like the guy who plays the emperor is wrath that makes sense yeah so they if you look you can really pick out sort of the thematic elements behind them yeah and I, was, I was surprised i didn't recognize any of the voice actor names like uh, I, some of them are Muppeteers. David Goals played Chamberlain, the the Skeksis who was uh, banished. Um, David. Ooh. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should be emperor. Mm. <laughs> I hate your whining. <laughs> and then, yeah, a lot of them were, were Muppeteers. Gotcha. Um, surprisingly, most of the body performers for the Skeksis and the Mystics were not, though. Most of them were um, were mimes and clowns, people that did a lot of physicality huh. that they hired just to do the body work. That makes sense. Because all the faces were remote control and done by the actual puppeteers who did the voices, but all the body work had to be done by this third party. Man, those are painful positions to walk in in those giant costumes. And Oh, my, my gosh. I can't they had to rework, um, the ones they had to rework uh, three or four times were the um the Gartham, the giant beetle things. Right. All of the initial ones were like 80 or 90 pounds. God. And it was just impossible to do anything in them. In fact, they made these rigs that were, um think of like a, a swing set without swings on it. And all of the Gotham, uh, Gartham um, costumes had a, a, a hook in the back so that when they weren't filming, they could go and someone could hook them up to take the weight off of them. <laughs> and just kind of swing there for a bit. Yeah, and just and just stand and not have the super heavy costume on them. Now, believe it or not, I mean, I know money has changed a lot, but this was made for only fifteen million dollars. Yeah, I can't believe that because of all the crap in that movie, and then it made slightly over forty million, which is, you know, it still made its money back doubly, but uh, it's still not as much as they hoped to make, I guess. Yeah, Dark Crystal, check it out. I love it. Love it. And also inspired Fraggle Rock. That's right. Because there's apparently a scene that was cut where it was going to be. Jen and Kira going to the underworld and this race of underground mining creatures there and they took that Jim Henson took that and turned it into Fraggle Rock so that's pretty cool we wouldn't have Fraggle Rock without Dark Crystal
And uh, fun fact, the Podlings, who uh, are the adoptive family of Kira, uh, were designed after potatoes. <laughs> That's hilarious. He wanted to make them very earthen, and so he decided to make little potato people. It works. They look like little potato people. They really do. Oh, and another uh, Star Trek connection. Ooh. Deep Roy was a performer in this movie, and he is in the new Star Trek films. Who is that? If you look up Deep Roy, he was also the, all of the Oompa Loompas in the new, um, the new Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie. Okay. You know, they're all oh, the same I know actor. Him. Yeah. yeah, he was also in Never Ending Story. Yeah, he's been in tons of stuff. He's a real tiny guy, um, even smaller than um, Willow. <laughs> you know, what's his face? Forgetting his name. Uh, Warwick Davis. Warwick Davis. He's even smaller than him, but he's just this little Indian guy, and he is in every movie ever <laughs> as a little <laughs> tiny actor. So that's pretty cool. Another Star Trek connection. Yeah, he normally plays stand-in for very small people. Yeah, he probably played a lot of the scenes because they. it's always kind of creeped me out, too, when they would cut away and show Jen or Kira running. And it was obviously now a person <laughs> in the costume, you know? Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's creepy. And that goes back to them, cuts to them, and they're suddenly a lot skinnier and they're just marionette puppets again. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's weird. <laughs> it's unsettling. <laughs> well, cool. Star Trek connection. Love it. Yeah. Love and I it. hope they make a movie like this again sometime soon where it's actually you know, legit effects and not CGI everything, but I doubt it. I don't know. The Jim Henson company will never have that kind of budget to do that kind of shit again. I wish they would, but it just won't happen. Well, let's make a billion dollars and pay for it. Deal. Deal. All right. So let's, let's go on to talk about, uh, zero charisma. Yeah, and this movie just became one of my favorites. I don't know, because I guess I know so many people uh, that like the people in this movie, and I identify with parts of a lot of them, and it just made me, it felt so real. Like, there, it didn't hold back. There's no bullshit. It's like, this is the way things really are. And, like, when he walks into that hipster party, like, I've walked into that party before and felt the same way he felt, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> but what were your initial impressions about this movie? Well, um, one of my one of my uh, acting teachers in college always mm-hmm. said that the difference between a tragic character and a comedic character is a comedic character doesn't know how tragic they are. And I think in that way, that's that's what the path this movie followed in that it really started as a comedy. Right. But as he came to terms with how tragic he was. He be it, it. The entire movie shifted because he slowly started realizing how tragic he truly was. He was no longer ignorant to it. Yeah, I could see that. But uh, the you know one of my big bugaboos of this is God bless his heart, Sam Sam Eidson, who played Scott, the main guy. Yeah, not the best actor. I thought you did there were, very well. There were some. There were some really rough moments. <laughs> Any, really rough. Anyone in particular? Um. I mean, I know we talked about the crying on the toilet, mm-hmm. um, but he he wasn't actually crying. And that's one of my big bugaboos. <laughs> I'll use a bugaboos twice now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, even when I was still doing performance and stuff on stage, if you can't make yourself cry, don't fake crying. Like do something else, basically. Do something else, but don't fake crying if you can't actually cry in command. Yeah, I could see that. I didn't notice um, that he wasn't actually crying. I guess I didn't see that that closely. Um, 
I loved I loved the dynamic between him and his mom. Like not his grandma, but his mom. Yeah, she's kind of like a fuck up who raised a fuck up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and her new boyfriend who walks into his room and goes, so you're into, you're into dragons and shit. <laughs> what do you think about the cowboys? And he's like, uh, you mean like in Westerns? He's like, no, Dallas. And then I've had this conversation so many times, too. And he's like, and after you express to the person that you have no interest or knowledge about football, they'll just start talking about football anyway. And I'm like, I still have no idea what you're talking about. Like, that's happened to me so many times in real life. See, I typically end those conversations by by saying the wrong sport. <laughs> to be like, do you have the, the, the Cowboys like in movies? No, like from Dallas. Oh, the hockey team. <laughs> and then that's pretty much the end of it. If they have a clue. Yeah, they should stop there. Uh, um, I really I, I like the dynamic of sort of his group of friends or the, you know, the the people that played through his game. And sort of his one follower, Wayne, who was really uh, kind of worshipped him a little bit. Yeah. And it lose that worshiper, like really wrecked him. Oh, yeah. And once again, that was just another one of those barriers coming down. I liked that because, you know, when I think of a dedicated GM, I think of Cameron. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, this guy was not Cameron, but I would say that level of kind of dedication yeah, for our listeners out there, we played a long-term uh, Dungeons & Dragons-style game online. So we had a virtual map, and we were all different cities and states, but we all met online to play. And our GM, Game Master, he would spend hours creating these worlds all on his own, like with his own, their own names and countries and kings and queens and creatures. And I mean, I can't imagine the amount of time that takes. <laughs> That's dedication. Yeah, if, if you check out one of our earlier episodes, I think it's maybe six or nine. Um, we had him on to talk about Dungeons and Dragons yeah. very early. Go back and check it out, folks. Go back. It was from two years ago. Go back and check it out. <laughs> but that that sort of level of dedication and having known someone kind of like that, it really let me hook into his character. And I, I liked the breakdown from the the cool guy joining his joining his group. Right, and like never, and always thinking that cool guy was just there to make fun of them. When he kind of was and kind of wasn't at the same time. Right. And I I do like that they redeemed him a little bit in that they did reveal that, like, the cool guy was just there to spectate, basically. Yeah, like observe them as animals in nature kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, because then he showed up to the party. And, oh, you must have lost our invitations. Yeah. To this party you're throwing. Because they're separate from that part of his life. Yeah. He's ashamed or embarrassed by them. Yeah. But it's weird because, like, I've felt that way when he's crying on the toilet at the party. I felt that way. Like I don't belong here. I have no friends or I'm not cool as these people. And then I've also felt like the other guy, the the villain of the movie, if you will, who I've been in, I felt like people think I'm an intruder upon their geek culture and being like, cause I, you know, don't dress the way they do or I, I, you know, have a girlfriend or something. And so they, I feel like they're almost excluding me for that reason. Cause I might, they feel like I might be too cool for their group. And then, at the same time, I feel the opposite when I'm around cool people in quotations because I don't feel as cool as they are. So it's like I, I could identify with both sides of them and both characters. It kind of felt that's why it connected with me so much, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. But now this 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 movie really hit home, so to speak. <laughs> and I, I loved his pure. There wasn't a, a romantic story, which I kind of appreciated. Yeah, they finally deviated away from that. Uh, but I do like that they still took the time to show just how awkward he is with girls. Yeah, the one scene with the woman and like this, you could see in his eyes, like she took his hands and he's just like, no one's touched his hands probably in years. 
And he yeah. just, you could see how freaked out it made him, but also just overwhelmed. He didn't know how to handle it. Just someone touching him, you know, and that was yeah. so, so sad and tragic. <laughs> and then I liked that the end wasn't, it was a happy ending, certainly, but it wasn't a really stereotypical one. Yeah. And it wasn't great for him. Like nothing magically turned out wonderful, you know, yeah. <laughs> which I like that but, too. But I, I like that they sort of took like the, one of the only things he kind of enjoys doing is helping to take care of his grandma. And so he ends up going and working at the nursing home she ends up in, right. or the old old folks home that she ends up in, uh, and and taking care of other people too. So, and you know, finally getting a fucking job, and you know, yeah, just maybe taking care of others more and not being such an ass. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. I mean, there was a while in this movie that I was really worried because, you know, uh, Scott was not the easiest character to like. Yeah, he's kind of a bully and kind of a jerk. Kind of a bully, yeah, master of his own realm. Uh, but like, you know, even little moments where his mom comes out and goes, you guys are being too loud, I need to wrap it up. And he goes, we're just starting. And she goes, can you just be an adult about this? Your your grandmother just had a stroke. Yeah, it's like, she's actually not wrong. <laughs> right. Now, mind you, I also like the kind of shift that this sort of ir- irrational hatred for his mother. And then you realize why. Yeah, because she is a terrible human being. Through her actions. yeah. yeah. And she comes back and gets an appraiser to come look at her mom's house so she can sell it to get out of her debts. And it's like, these are real people and, and we've known people like this, you know? Oh, absolutely. These situations absolutely happen. And also, like, everyone in the movie kind of looks real. There's no, like, Hollywood-looking people in the movie, really. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, the, the main guy is Scott in his, like, heavy metal t-shirts and, and a <laughs> dragon necklace. You can see the dandruff on his shoulders and like a single <laughs> fingerless glove yeah. <laughs> that he puts on when he's becoming game master, <laughs> game master <laughs> and all the, uh, the painting of the figurines and everything. It just, it was, it was very cool. It, it kind of like, it does make fun of that culture, but also kind of embraces it as well at the same time. So I enjoyed that. And it's also produced by Nerdist, one of my favorite companies out there. They actually, Occasionally, we'll, we'll produce films like we'll find films at film festivals and then distribute them, basically. So this is one of their movies they put out, like the first one, actually. Yeah. When he's at the gaming, stir, gaming store on the back wall, you can see uh, like a big advertisement kind of thing for Nerdist. Oh, I never noticed on that. The, on the back wall. Yeah. Huh. Maybe there's hoping ahead of time that they're going to get money from them. That's true. Because this is also a uh, crowdfunded movie. So... uh it was produced from the get-go by just crowdfunding, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but overall, I would I would definitely say ch- if if you have any background in Dungeons and Dragons or RPGs, um, check it out. You're going to recognize some part of this movie in your own experience, or if you're just a nerd in general, and you know, you'll probably get it how it feels. That's yeah, true. <laughs> uh, oh, my favorite my favorite movie that made moment in this in this movie that made me laugh out loud. Okay. Is after his mom kind of kicks his friends out in that scene I just mentioned. He goes to his room, he puts on heavy metal, and he's really, really angry and really amps himself up. And then he punches the wall and punches a hole through it. And you can see him go, oh, shit. And so he takes down the poster that was there. And then he goes and takes another poster to put over it. And he moves that poster. And there's another hole behind the poster <laughs> that he went to move. It just shows his anger has been forever. <laughs> yeah, that, that this is not the first time this has occurred. And I laughed so hard during that moment. <laughs> It was very well done. <laughs> that and when he screamed, the gods demand their vengeance and then hit the guy in the head with a crutch. Yeah. <laughs> that was also very good. Oh, man. 
there's some definitely great moments. Another movie that's uh, uh, great like this, but just definitely more goofy is the Knights of Badastum, which I love the Knights of Badastum. I love that movie. <laughs> Peter Dinklage. Yep, what Peter the hell? Where did he come from? It's all LARP, LARPers. So it's actually live action role playing. And uh, it also has the guy from True Blood who plays Sookie's brother. He's in there. Um, Sookie. 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 But great movie. Uh, Check Steve, that one out. Steve Zahn is yes, in there. He's great. And the girl who plays uh, River. In Serenity. Right. I forgot. It's her a name. great movie. Absolutely check it out. Absolutely check it out. So there you go. Well, that's our first edition of yeah. Retro Retrospective. Bam. We're going to keep bringing you some more. We'll work down my list of favorite movies. We'll work down Jarman's list of favorite movies, and we'll find some uh, some good things to recommend and tell you about. And I'm sure eventually we'll find ones that neither of us or one of us doesn't like. But so far, we're good because I think you like that yeah. one and I liked uh, we've, yours. We've only done one so far. So, so <laughs> far, so good. I have some gems there that you're going to hate. So I'm really excited about that. Good. I'm looking forward to it. So I hope they're all ghost movies. <laughs> so listeners, let us know if this is a cool segment. If you're into it, I think it's a, a, a cousin to our copycat cinema kind of idea. Yeah. But uh, And so if you don't like it, then keep it to yourself. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> or at least tell us nicely. No need to bring us down. We're doing our thing. Don't bring me down. No one's making you download this podcast. This is accurate. That's right. Free country. America. America. So let's make trailer reviews great again with uh, trailer reviews. <laughs> Here to Play on Nerds, we have developed an interesting rating system to bring to you our ideas on the trailers we're about to review. At the low, low end of the scale, we have Burn It, where we think you should find every copy you can get your hands on and throw it into a barrel fire. Kill it with fire. <laughs> and our next step is Drunk Watch, which means that, yeah, I'd watch this movie. It'd be entertaining if I was under the influence of some kind of substance of some kind. But if I was sober, probably not going to check this thing out. No, nope, not going to see it. Next, we've got We'll See, which is maybe we just don't know enough about this movie to tell what the hell it's going to be. Could be good. Could be bad. Not sure. Eh. And our next category would be Get the Couch Ready, which means I'm definitely going to check this movie out at home. Wouldn't necessarily pay the big bucks of seeing it in theaters, but I'm definitely going to watch it at home. So get that couch ready. After that, we have Take a Look, where we are recommending for you, our viewers and listeners, to check out this movie and check out the trailer and tell us what you think about it. We, we wanted to see what you guys think. It looks pretty good, but we're not quite sure yet. Yeah, take a look. Yeah. Let us know. And for our final and best category, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. Shut up and take my money. This looks so awesome. We're going to see it. That's where we cannot wait to give Hollywood bigwigs... All of the money that we have earned at work to go see a film for $47. We're so excited. We just have to go see it. We, have, we don't have a choice. And that is our A Play on Nerds official copyrighted trademark system for rating our movie trailers. So, we've got two great sci-fi space-related movies for you this week. Jarman, which one would you like to do? I'll go ahead and jump off with uh, Star Trek Beyond. My dad joined Starfleet because he believed in it. I joined on a dare. You joined to see if you could live up to him. You spent all this time trying to be your father. And now you're wondering just what it means to be you. It isn't uncommon, you know. It's easy to get lost in the vastness of space. There's only yourself. 
Your ship. Your crew. You really want to head back out there, huh? What the hell is this? They're boarding us. Abandon ship! I know why you're here. Why we are all here. Our captain will come for us. Mercy will be the last thing on his mind. I am counting on it. Fear of death is illogical. Fear of death is what keeps us alive. Everyone who goes there, he kills. That's our friends out there. We can't just leave them behind. Unity is not your strength. It's a weakness. I think you're underestimating humanity. Hold on to something! Fire will! Do it! Do it! Pardon me. He likes that scene. Uh, so... Everyone, all like bunch of fans, had an outcry about the first Star Trek Beyond trailer. This is the third movie in the new series of the JJ verse, as it's called, of Star Trek movies. And the first trailer was just Beastie Boys and uh, action explosions, and had told us nothing about what the hell the movie was about. So people were pissed about that, and I was I was not impressed by it either. I was like, ah, oh, come on, there's something else besides this. I can't even tell what this is. So this trailer is a little more in depth. It's a little more serious, has some orchestral score behind it, which is nice and tells us a little bit more, not much, but basically Captain Kirk's trying to find himself as, you know, getting his confidence as a captain. And they go out further into space, I guess, to explore, which is what Star Trek's supposed to be about. So that's good. And they encounter some strange new white race of uh, aliens. They're all they have like white faces and such. And Idris Elba is some scary creature as well. So I don't know. It's a lot of explosions still. And I'm like, okay, I get it. We have, we have to put explosions in big budget movies, but I'm just still more excited for the TV series coming out later. Yeah. And it looks like the enterprise gets destroyed again, relatively early on, but I mean like really destroyed, like abandoned ship destroyed. Yeah. Uh, They end up on some sort of planet. Maybe they're enslaved by this new, like white spiky creature race. Um, no, I'm excited. I just, I, I agree that the first trailer was just, it was, it's an action movie and that's never been what Star Trek's been about. I guess I think it's the only way you can make money with it in a, in theaters is to make it for, for a mainstream crowd. Yeah, I can, I can see that. And Hey, I'm okay with it since if we didn't have these JJ movies, then we would not be getting a new TV series in 2017. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's true. It, it opened up the, uh, the floodgates for all the other good stuff we're going to get out of it. And hopefully a more cerebral show without, with less explosions. <laughs> that would be great. But hey, I'm still going to enjoy the movie. It'll be fun. Oh, yeah. And of course, this one gets a shut up and take my money because it's one of those movies I'll want to see in theaters. Same here. Uh, shut up and take my money because it's Star Trek and I love Star Trek and I'm going to see it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, so our other movie is Approaching the Unknown. The story of a one-man mission to Mars that goes wrong, and the astronaut who decides, instead of turning back, just friggin' go for it. Mars is just a tiny dot in the sky. 40 million miles away. Five, four, three, two, 
going there to die. I'm going to Mars to live. Requesting permission to kick off my shoes for the rest of the ride. Roger, Captain, you have permission. Morning, Santa Forth. The ship is going 160,000 miles per hour, but I can't tell I'm moving. The sun comes through the window once a week, and everything repeats. I just had a dream I was falling. It's not a dream. You are falling. Hey, buddy. I haven't talked to you in a couple days. Everything okay? I don't know if I'm on course. My ship isn't telling me. Abort the mission. Return to Earth right now. The mission has failed. But I can't go back. What are you doing? What's going on? Did you just override the controls? This is why I came here. To give everything up. For one moment. of pure wonder. Uh, it looks like a movie about isolation and um, finding meaning. Something at one point goes wrong with his ship and they tell him to abort mission and instead he goes and manually overrides and just keeps going. I don't know what to think about this movie. I think it's like, it very well could be like, well... Let's quickly put together a movie that's just like Gravity, Interstellar, and The Martian and get it out there, but make it cheap with just two actors. <laughs> that's true. There are only, who is it, uh, Luke Wilson. Mark Strong. And, and Mark Strong. And yeah. then there's like a female actress playing like his girlfriend or his wife or something um, that he talks to in the screen briefly. But the only thing I'll say is that Mark Strong's performance looks good. I don't know if he can carry a movie on his own because I don't know if he's done that yet. Um, the, gra- the, the, the special effects look good. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to give this one a we'll see because I honestly don't. I'm not sure I'm in the mood for for a moody sci-fi drama. With one actor. With like, yeah, one and a half actors. Yeah, because at least with The Martian, it was not that moody. It was more like fun and, you know, entertaining and... Right, it was uh, almost a comedy in some respects. Yeah, it won like best comedy at the the SAG Awards or the Directors Guild they, of America Awards. Yeah, they changed the rules. They did. Um, yeah, to because the people were so pissed that The Martian, which was like an epic and really a drama, and had some comedic elements, won out over some straight comedy films. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's not a comedy. So yeah, I guess we'll see. I don't know. I'm actually giving it a we'll see as well because unless I see yeah. something uniquely different about it in the future trailers, uh, I don't really need to see this movie. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. We actually agreed on both of our ratings this week. Wow. Crazy. That's the first time in a long time. Probably. Well, that about does it for this episode. Episode 61. But also go and, go and see The Dark Crystal and Zero Charisma if you haven't already. Go do that. And if you haven't seen The Dark Crystal, just go die. <laughs> just go die. Just, just go. Just find a pit and jump in. So, thank you once again for joining us. As always, we've been your co-hosts. You've been our audience. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends.
If you'd like to find out more about us, you can always check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash aplayonnerds. Or check us out on Twitter and Instagram at aplayonnerds. We're also streaming live game content all the time on twitch.tv slash aplayonnerds. Fun videos and stuff to check out, youtube.com slash playonnerds. And also please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review if possible because that lets us be easily searched in the iTunes search index for podcasts and that way we know if we stink exactly let us know if you hate us or you love us that's always great check us out at our website www.aplayonnerds.com where all this content can be found at the tip of your fingers and you can also always email us at anything at aplayonnerds.com and then check us out on i guess snapchat maybe <laughs> for dick or, or tumblr <laughs> tumblrs Periscopes. Uh, you could also throw a rock at us with a message on it. Carrier pigeons. We accept cassette tapes. <laughs> I love cassette tapes. We just want to hear from you. Yes, please send us anything you like at any social media outlets. However you do it, check us out. And how? How?